Hello and welcome to The Frontline, a podcast from ILGA Europe in Brussels. We represent and work on behalf of over 600 LGBTI activist organizations across Europe and Central Asia, and our podcast aims to bring you to the front lines of queer activism in the regions. My name is Brian Finnegan, and in this episode we're talking about how we at ILGA Europe are responding to the war in Ukraine and in particular, the effects on LGBTI people both in Ukraine and Russia, in neighbouring countries, and all countries across Europe and Central Asia who are hosting refugees. With me to talk about the current situation from ILGA Europe's perspective, combined with what we know from our member organisations in Ukraine, Russia, and across the region, is our Executive Director, Evelyn Paradis. So hi Evelyn, and uh, thanks for joining me today. It's almost exactly a month since Russia invaded Ukraine. Can we start by talking about how we're seeing the situation at Ilga Europe one month in? Well, it's a, it's a very hard question to answer, Brian, because there are so many aspects to the war in Ukraine and its ramifications. And in an attempt to, to provide a picture, I think what we're seeing is a multiplicity and multilayered needs across the region. There's, of course, to start with LGBTI people who are still in Ukraine, either because they've chosen to stay or because they cannot stay. And the needs there are multiple um, and they're very core. It's matters of safety and access to medication and, and so on. There are the needs of people who've left Ukraine and who are landing in either neighboring countries and progressingly moving to other EU countries. Um, and so it's it's the needs to find safe spaces, to find people to support them in adjusting to a new reality, um, figuring out what the next steps are going to be for them. And, and this brings a whole range of, of issues, clearly, as uh, too few of, of the authorities and systems in, in, in all of our countries were ready to welcome, of course, the you know, more than 3 million refugees in total. And and there's clearly a lack of of infrastructure in many places to welcome specifically LGBTI people. Um, And then there's also the needs of people who are affected from other countries, people who are in Russia, people who had left Belarus for the most part and were either in Ukraine or Russia or other countries. And so many, many people are deeply directly affected the other and that another part of the story is actually also um, and maybe that's the most uh, heartening piece is extraordinary mobilization i want to say yet again from lgbti activists and organizations and communities across europe it's again i'll start with you know what what lgbti activists who are choosing to stay in ukraine are doing to be there for their communities under the most dire situation, which is a war, and then the mobilization of groups in countries uh, like Poland, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, Czech Republic, Moldova, who were there, I want to say from day one, really, in organizing themselves to be able to support people who would be arriving or who had started to arrive. Um, And it's quite incredible. I I do want to pay particular Craig, I would want to give particular credit to them because they were also groups who had been under uh, quite a lot of pressure in recent years. So they're, you know, mobilizing and 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 this mobilization and, and wave of solidarity is only kind of 
spreading throughout Europe as groups are starting to organize themselves to be able to support LGBTI people who are moving, as I said, further, further west. But it's, but it's a lot. And we also know that this is only, as you said, we're only a month in. And sadly, I guess all of the people who are observing and, and analyzing the situation are not too optimistic that this will be a situation that gets resolved soon. So it really is important that we figure out how we continue collectively are, are there for primarily, uh, well, first and foremost, not primarily, but first and foremost for, for people in Ukraine who are, you know, experiencing and living war on a daily basis. But we also rally to support those who are around Ukraine and leaving Ukraine and and settling elsewhere and or those who are outside of Ukraine, but there to support directly the efforts. So to be the, the outside help to, to the groups over there. So it's a very complex and clearly a somber picture a month in. And as I say, the ray of, of light in all of this is just to see how yet again, people are just rallying to be there for each other. Our team are working uh, daily with member organizations across Europe, and uh, we're documenting issues arising daily for LGBTI people that are little, little known about in the general media. Um, and we're also kind of, well, we all, we're also predicting things that are going to come down the line um, as, as this crisis deepens and, and people move across Europe. So can you expand on, on the, the things that we're not really hearing about that much in the media and what we think people are going to be facing? Mm-hmm. Well, I think some of the main issues that we have been collectively, I want to say, Ilga Europe and many other groups in Europe looking at more specifically in the last few weeks has been providing access to medication, uh, working to make sure that there's access to medication and specifically access to hormones and ARV. Uh, There's a big issue for, you know, specifically for trans and intersex people accessing what is essential medication. Uh, And and the issues are in Ukraine, of course, Um, the supplies are very low in Ukraine uh, as people have been moving around uh, and as the entire, well, many parts of the Ukrainian infrastructure is being attacked, uh, it's it's increasingly hard for people to access this crucial, these crucial pieces of medication. So there's, that's a big issue. And and on that, there's a great effort uh, of many of us, Europe and other organizations to try to get in contact with humanitarian agencies and frontline humanitarian actors because we need we need them to be on this and whilst in the short term (laughs) again this is definitely one of the areas where we see great action coming together people finding as effective ways as possible to make sure people have access to to medication but we also know that this is not an issue just for people who are in ukraine it's also an issue for trans people who manage to get out of ukraine as we uh, start seeing that the supplies of medication in some of the countries where people are arriving, whether it's uh, Poland, Slovakia, Romania, Hungary and company, uh, the supplies are starting to be strained and there are some um, shortages that are already starting to be identified. So that's a big issue. The other issue which is starting to make it to the media this week, uh, which is important, has been issues for, for trans people to leave the country, as I guess many people are uh, know the martial law means that any men aged from 18 to 60 are not allowed to leave the country 
which presents a whole range of issues, especially for trans women uh, who have not been a, in a position before the war to uh, get a change in their gender marker, which is clearly a huge proportion of trans people in Ukraine. But it's also an issue for trans men and others because not not to paint a dire picture, but transphobia was very present in Ukraine. So, so also for trans men to be forced to stay in Ukraine is quite a, an issue. And then the issues that we're starting to see is also for people who have left Ukraine, you know, how they are welcomed or not welcomed and supported when they cross the border. But I also want to add for Again, going back to people in Ukraine, we're not seeing that a lot, but finding safe spaces for gay, bisexual men, trans men is a, it's a growing concern for, for community groups that are there. So we see a number of shelters being, more and more shelters being established to make sure that people are find a safe space um, because reports are that um, the common shelter places are not necessarily always welcoming, sadly. Um, so those are, are some of the key issues that we've been particularly attentive to until now, but we, we know that many more issues are, are expected to be raised as, as the weeks go by. And can you give us some outline of, of what we're predicting may come down the line? I do not want to necessarily predict what's going to go on in, in Ukraine because I don't feel that that's a, an easy one to answer. But one thing we do, I think what we can go, what we can see down the line for people as they move across Europe is there are going to be some of the EU countries and other non-EU countries like Norway that are either going to be rather well equipped to be attending attending to the needs of LGBTI people who are moving, uh, but others will be less well equipped in the sense of having LGBTI friendly services, uh, recognizing people's family connections, marriages, parenthood, etc. So we do need to be prepared for this and, and look into this. Another big, like, again, I'll go back to concern specifically for trans people that we know not every country will give easy access to entering into the healthcare system. We know that for trans people living in some countries of the EU, it's not always, it's always a, a long-term process to access these, um, the, these systems. So we unfortunately anticipate that many trans people will be facing an interruption in their, in their uh, medication and treatment, which can have you know, very damaging consequences for them. Uh, health-wise. So that is something that we're trying to work ahead of time and see how we can, you know, hopefully signpost this to as many governments as possible so solutions are found uh, sooner rather than later. So that's an issue. But but I'll go, I'll go beyond Ukraine again um, to say that it's clearly very much on our radar as well, the impact that this war is having for people in Russia. And it's getting harder and harder to contact and to be in touch with people who are in Russia. There's, of course, you know, worries that uh, the repression will only get worse. I think there were initial signals that worried many of us. So that is, you know, a whole situation to be monitoring very closely because Putin's actions are, you know, of course, at the moment, very direct on the Ukrainian people but they also have very severe consequences on people in Russia. So, so that, is, that is another big area of concern. 
I wanted to go back to the immediate effect at the moment as well, because a lot of people are moving to to Poland or Hungary, and both of those countries, you could say, have Putin-esque attitudes to LGBTI people and are, are you know, using LGBTI people, instrumentalizing them in a political way. So what have we been hearing from LGBTI organizations in Poland and Hungary about LGBTI refugees who are ending up or turning up there? Yeah. Well, I think the situation, there are different scenarios actually going on in different of the immediate neighboring countries to Ukraine. So there are some countries where people are reporting to us that LGBTI people might want to stay. Actually, they'll feel a a certain level of comfort in staying. It looks like maybe it's the case in countries like Czech Republic, because there's also a desire for many of the refugees, I think in general is something we hear, but it's also something for LGBTI people as well, which is they don't necessarily want to go too far away from their home country. So not want to go too far away from Ukraine, if that's possible. But we also hear that people are seeing countries like Hungary and uh, and where they can, Poland, more as transit countries. Um, So at the moment, they're clearly received as best as possible by the local groups, again, who I want to emphasize this, local groups who are doing their utmost to be there and make themselves known and make themselves known as a point of, of reference and support for LGBTI people. Um, so I think, I think to the best of their ability, they're making this uh, as welcoming situation as possible for people. But it seems to be clear that um, many people are seeing, you know, Hungary and Poland as just a first step in their journey and not necessarily their final destination for now. And I guess we understand why as well. So at Elke Europe, we've been developing our response and, and how we're going to work over the, the coming time and we can't say how long that's going to be but it's a three-pronged approach under the headings information action and direction so could you expand a little bit on that for us yeah gladly so well information is because we want to play (laughs) our role to the best of our ability our role as as a focal point for, for the movement. Uh, we know that we, we are situated at a quite unique juncture for many organizations. We, we are in contact with groups on the ground everywhere. We're in countries, we're coordinating at the moment very uh, as effectively as possible with some of the larger LGBTI groups who are involved in, in support. We're also in connection with funders and, and institutions and governments. So, we do hold a lot of information and we see it as it's our responsibility to pull this information together and bring it back to all those who need to, to have this um, overview, um, need to have access to important information. So, so that's a, a first important role that we feel is, is ours and we're going to you know, emphasize. And we also see that we have a role to play in bringing information about what is available to people who are leaving Ukraine and or leaving Russia. Uh, so we're, we're engaged at the moment and try to map what will be important pieces of information for people to have in choosing where to go and where to settle and also where resources exists for them. So that's a, that's a very core piece of what we're trying to do at the moment is, you know, compile the information, bring the picture together and make it available to all those who need to have access to it. 
the action piece is that we uh, we have we are in a position having worked on regranting for quite some years now and having a quite robust regranting practice that we are directly supporting uh, groups at the moment uh, within Ukraine, of course, but we're also increasingly supporting groups who are setting themselves up to be helping people who are moving out of Ukraine on the issues that I've named before. We'll also be looking at how we support groups uh, who are welcoming Russian activists moving possibly, you know, in other countries as well, closer to Russia. So, so those are things that we're really keen on doing and will continue. We expect to be a big portion of our work for the next little while. And connected to that is the role that we've always played and will, you know, it's more important than ever, which is mobilizing different funders, uh, mobilizing different aspects of resources pointing to where needs are, where gaps are, uh, where resources is needed. Uh, and then of course, finally, the, the big action is continues to be our advocacy work. Um, and I mentioned earlier, we are now entering into a, a newer territory, which is us engaging with humanitarian agencies and trying to make head, headway into pointing to the specific needs of LGBTI populations, um, which is, you know, not something that is uh, at, at the moment yet integrated into humanitarian agency work. So this is a big piece of the work that we're currently doing. And then the, direct, the direction is, well, Ilgirup remains <laughs> a membership-based organization, and we've also seen just how many people are, are wanting to be supportive and want to be helping. And so we feel it's important that we help point to where people can be of, of most support for each other. So we'll, we'll be pull, pulling and, and offering as many resources for everyone within our movement and our membership who wants to be playing an active role in this effort. And we know there are many many people out there. So we'll do our best to point to where, where your action, where everyone's action is, uh, is going to be most helpful. And uh, that will be on our website and we'll be constantly updating it and we will, uh, yeah, communicate about it on our channels. So uh, action, many, many people are taking action. And, and you mentioned earlier on the mobilization of LGBTI activists around Europe and Central Asia to help refugees who are arriving in their countries. Um, we could be forgiven for believing that they're only helping LGBTI people. But the truth is that um, we find, we're seeing a lot of LGBTI people on the front lines helping, just simply helping, because that's what many, many LGBTI activists do. So could you speak to that a little bit? Because I suppose in the, in the bleakness of this story and the fact that, you know, it's not going away soon and, and we, have, we, we don't know how it's going to develop and, and it's a difficult time for so many people. Could you speak to that and speak to, to how mobilized and how yeah, strong and resilient the LGBTI communities and activists are? Well, you, you've, you've said it already beautifully, <laughs> Brian, but I can add a few stories. No, indeed, time and time again, my, my faith in LGBTI movement that, you know, that they are the most incredible people <laughs> gets confirmed. Um, because indeed, you know, I've been like many in the team, we've been talking to so many people in the recent 
weeks, uh, people who are either in Ukraine or outside or in Russia, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then you, you, you hear how people are talking about the work that they do and how it is integral to the way they're describing their work, saying, I am there, of course, to make it known to LGBTI people that I'm a safe space for them, but if I see anybody else who needs help, I will, of course, be there. Uh, you hear stories of people just, you know, in Poland, you know, attending to all of the work they do for LGBTI. And there have been lots of people coming into Poland. Mm -hmm. So attending to their best to LGBTI refugees, but then also preparing sandwiches, you know, uh, to be distributing to whoever is there at the train station uh, and that's part of their daily routine so and then it also frankly I, i'm sure many people will have seen some of the messages that are put from from those who are still in ukraine and talking about how they're they see their work as part of just the resistance effort of their entire uh, country and how they're there to fight for democracy and for freedom so it's Yeah, I guess, as you say, in, the, in, in all of the bleakness of the picture, it is, it is that light of hope that, that you know, even in the, the hardest of times, people's true colors still shine and their true colors are always about this. We're in it for the peace of common humanity and our belief in a better world. Um, so sorry, I'm now starting to be a little bit <laughs> bleak, but I, I, I think... I think these are the kinds of things that we have to hang on to in, in times like this, that you, you know, there are so many people that are there with the, the right values and right intentions. So, yeah. And that's a good way to end this conversation. We have to hang on to our common humanity. Evelyn, thanks for joining me today. I'm sure we'll be talking again um, as, as time goes on and certainly our information action direction uh, initiative will be ongoing and being developed as we go along. Thanks, Evelyn. We'll be happy to come back. You have been listening to The Frontline, ILGA Europe's LGBTI activism podcast. To find out more about our information action direction initiative in response to the war in Ukraine and to access its ongoing resources, visit the link in the episode description. And please like, share or comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bye for now.